And let's give this group a round of applause, right? Leading us in worship, doing great. Now, I counted six guys up there. There's still room for some more guys, all right? Some of you are holding your voices back. You need to get up in there and sing with them. Um, if you have your Bibles, James chapter 3. James chapter 3 is where we'll be as we continue in this series, our summer series in James. James chapter 3. Well, as you know, if you were here last week, I didn't preach. Weston preached for me because we made it back safely from Falls Creek. And uh, I wanted to show you a cabin. Some of you haven't seen our, our church's cabin. It's, it's a beautiful cabin, and uh, we'll be taking some advantage of that, continue to do that uh, throughout the year. But this is where we stayed. And, uh, you know, Stephanie and the kids, Noah, Caroline, Hannah, they were there during the week for most of the week. And Noah brought his fishing pole. Because right across the little street from this cabin is the, the creek, a creek that is there. And so Noah wanted to do a little fishing. And one day he threw the line into the water. And it landed in kind of a narrow, shallow area right where there was like these little waterfalls falling off the, the rocks. And he went to pull, you know, the string back and it was caught. And he got caught on one of the rocks and stuff. And so um, I had to kind of walk through some mud and, and the water and everything and, and really had to wrestle with it to get it unhooked. But as I was doing that, I was reminded of a story back when I was about six years old, when I was fishing. And I had this little Mickey Mouse fishing pole. And uh, I don't fish with it anymore, but I had this little Mickey Mouse fishing pole and I was about six, and I pulled the, the, the pole back, and as I did to go cast the line, my hook got caught on like a bush or a tree. And so I, you know, kind of pulled on it, and when that happened, as the story goes, as I've been told, a four-letter word escaped from my mouth that should never come off the tongue of a six-year-old, or a 16-year-old, or a 36-year-old, or a 76-year-old. Yes, amen, says Bob Taggart. Now, I'm not going to tell you where I learned that word from, because I don't want to embarrass my mother today, okay? That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that all of us whether we were 6, 16, 36, or 76, all of us have said something we should not have said. Or you've posted something you should not have posted. Or you've texted something you should not have texted. Or you hit send when you should not have hit send. All of us have mumbled and muttered something to ourselves, to the wind, that we should not have mumbled or muttered. Or... Maybe we said something we ought to have said, but it was how we said it that really destroyed things. Maybe that relationship, maybe that job or that culture or that atmosphere or that church. Or maybe we said what we wanted to say or should have said, but it was terrible timing. So today we're going to see the power 
of words. Words are powerful. They change things. The enemy deceived Adam and Eve with words. Words are powerful. Words matter. What you say, how you say it, and when you say it, it matters. Whether it is a text, whether it's a conversation with somebody, words matter. So those are the three points that we're going to see today. What we say, how we say it, and when we say it, it matters. Another way to put all of that, as followers of Jesus, we must, we are commanded to tame the tongue. It's the title of today's message. Tame the tongue. But just as kind of a quick recap, remember we're in the book of James, James is the half-brother, or was the half-brother of Jesus. Remember, Mary and Joseph had more children after Jesus. James was one of those, and he was a chief elder in Jerusalem. He was a pillar in the early church, and he sees himself as a servant of God, literally as a doulos, a slave of God, and the Lord Jesus Christ. He sees himself as a slave to God, not out of coercion or unwillingly, but freely, He has given his life to the ownership of God and to Jesus, his master and Messiah. So even in this book, James does not point out his relationship to Jesus as bragging or boasting rights. He doesn't point out his position in the church as bragging or boasting rights. He sees himself as just a fellow slave under the master and Messiah, Jesus. And he's writing to a group of primarily Jewish Christians, but his words are intended for all believers. And James, throughout this letter, is saying, no matter our circumstances, we must all come under the authority and lordship of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. We must submit to him. We must reorient our entire lives, all of our affairs, everything under his lordship, under his power and authority. Two weeks ago, we looked at living faith. In other words, true, authentic faith in Jesus is a faith that one can see. It's an internal faith that is externally visible, not invisible. It's a demonstrated faith. James gives the illustration of Abraham and Rahab. So true, authentic faith, living faith, is a faith that one can see. But as we're going to see today, true authentic faith, living faith, is also a faith that one can hear. Look at James chapter 3, verse 1. This is what James writes. He says, listen, not many of you should become teachers or should desire to become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. Verse 3, he now gives these illustrations of this. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. 
Verse 5, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures, they're being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a wild beast. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, followers of Jesus, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So again, he reminds us, my fellow brothers and sisters, my fellow believers. In other words, James is reminding us, we belong to Jesus, called to Jesus. And specifically in this context, teachers, and more generally speaking, all believers, because we belong to Jesus, we're to imitate him in anything and in everything, including how we handle our tongues. Meaning, in anything and in everything, we must speak like Jesus. Whether it's a text message, whether it's in private conversation, whether it's in public, we must speak like Jesus. We must be mature, perfect in our faith and speak like Jesus. In order to speak like Jesus, we need to know that what we say, how we say it, and when we say it, it matters. Because again, words are powerful. Listen to what Proverbs says. The tongue can bring death or life. James would say here, it can praise God or it can curse people. It can bring death to a relationship or it can bring life to a relationship. It can bring death to an office culture, or life to an office culture. It can bring death to a church, or life to a church. And even as we see in the garden, it can bring death to humanity, or it can bring life to humanity as we see with Jesus. And here, James uses multiple illustrations to demonstrate for us the power of words. And it's a progression from horse to ship to wildfire smaller object or body to bigger and bigger to show the significance of your words and how our small tongue can direct the whole body it can direct our entire lives you can tell the horse the body of the horse where to go you can direct it with just a small bit. You can tell the ship, the body, where to go. You can direct it with just a small rudder. 
And you can control whether or not there's a forest fire by how you handle a small spark or a small match. So you can direct yourself, your marriage, your family, your office, your hallway, your classroom, your church, with your small, seemingly insignificant, though tremendously and greatly significant, tongue. You can do all of that by how you handle and control your tongue. The tongue can bring death or it can bring life. It is powerful. Words are powerful. They matter. So if you say the wrong thing, or you say that thing in the wrong way, or you say something in the, at the wrong time, you can burn a forest down. James is trying to get us to grasp the seriousness of how we handle our tongue. In 2020, there was a wildfire in California. This is a picture from it. And it burned, this wildfire burned 22,000 acres. That's like half the size of Enid. So imagine like everything west of Van Buren, gone. Or everything just north of ONK, gone from a fire. 22,000 acres. It cost over $42 million to suppress the fire. It all started because of a small device used to generate colored smoke for a gender reveal party. This little device ignited dry brush on an unseasonably warm day. A spark that should have never happened on that kind of day. It was the wrong thing at the wrong time, done in the wrong way, and it burned a forest down. This is James's point. Sparks are powerful. So is your tongue. So you better watch your tongue. This is why the Bible says, listen, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. In other words, foul language, coarse joking, gossip, it should not be on our tongues Degrading or demeaning words, nicknames, phrases should not be typed out or spoken or written, even if it's in jest. You belong to Jesus. That's James's point. You are brothers and sisters. You're called to Jesus. So if you want to be a teacher or a leader in the church, you want to be a wise follower of Jesus, that's what he really means there by that word perfect, then speak like Jesus. As Paul says in Colossians, let your conversation, your words, be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. As believers, we must speak like Jesus. I was a freshman in college working at Lowe's. And I was at working in the outside lawn and garden section. And I'll never forget, we were loading up some mulch and other things on the, this flatbed trailer outside. And as we're loading up some things, about 20 yards from us, there was this guy on his phone. And he was just going off. Yelling and just words that were coming out of his mouth that, again, were not fitting for really anybody. But they were coming out of his mouth. He's hooping and hollering, yelling. It's a big scene. Everybody is like distracted by what he is 
doing and saying on the phone. And, of course, we figured out what was going on, that something happened with his company or something, and somebody let him down. You know, they upset him, and so he's taking it out on them on the phone. And to me, I would have forgotten about this eventually, but it stuck out to me in a different way. Because I recognized the guy on the phone. About a week before that, I was at a BCM gathering at NOC Tonkawa. He was the guest worship leader that night. What you say matters. And I still have that image in my head. What you say matters. Seeing him that day at Lowe's, for me, discredited everything from that other night. Because true, authentic faith, and we'll see this in a moment, you can see it. You can hear it. It matters what you say, especially as followers of Jesus. So speak kind, loving, gracious words to each other, no matter the circumstances. But it's not just about what you say. It's also about how you say it. Listen to Proverbs 15.1. It says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. It's not just about what you say. It's also about how you say it. Let me give you an example. And I need your participation in this. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three, and I want you to ask me this question that you see on the screen. How are you? All together, I just, I'm going to count to three, and I just want you to ask, how are you? That's all I want you to do when I count to three. All right, everybody ready? Everybody's awake. It's Sunday morning. We're good. All right. One, two, three. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm good. I'm great. I'm good. I'm great. Clearly, I'm not good, and I'm not great, right? Even though I'm saying that, something's probably off. I look sad, depressed maybe. Let's try it again, all right? I'm going to count to three, and I want you to ask, how are you, all right? One, two, three. I'm great. I'm doing great. I'm great. Clearly, I'm not great, right? No, right? Perhaps I'm angry, even though I'm saying I'm great. Let's do it one more time, all right? One, two, three. I'm great. I'm doing great, right? It's not just about what you say. It's also about how you say it. There may be something that needs to be said, but as a follower of Jesus, one who is called to speak like Jesus, you had better watch how you say it. It also matters when you say it. I was uh, in seventh grade. I, for some reason, I have a lot of seventh grade illustrations. I don't know why. And it was a bad year, I guess, for me. So I was in seventh grade, and I was at this uh, dance party. And I was there, and at the time, I was, quote-unquote, dating this girl. And I wanted to break up with her. And I had told somebody this. And while we were at this dance party, I was there with my friends. And they asked me, hey, we heard you want to break up with her. And I said, yeah, I do. I'm thinking about it. Well, one of them 
one of my friends went and told her at this dance party. Now, that friend was D.H. Dilbeck, who's the son of Hans Dilbeck, who's now the Guidestone president. Yeah, I hold a grudge against him now. Just joking. Just joking. But he goes and tells her at this dance party. So moments later, she comes up to me and kind of in a way makes a scene and says, hey, do you want to break up with me? Now at that moment, I should have just said, hey, let's, you know, we'll talk about this later, whatever. But I said, um, yes. And she goes off. Now here's the thing. It wasn't just any dance party. It was a birthday party. And it wasn't just anybody's birthday. It was her birthday. <laughs> seventh grade was a bad year for me. <laughs> she was in my Sunday school class. I saw her the next day. It might have been true that I wanted to break up with her. It might have been inevitable that we were going to break up. But I should not have said what I said at her birthday party. It matters what you say, how you say it, and when you say it. And once you say it, it's out there. Once you hit send, once you write it, once you post it, whatever, it's out there. There's no taking it back. Once I said those words at that part, that was it. It was out there. As Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes, he says, listen, never make light of the king, even in your thoughts. Don't make fun of the powerful, even in your own bedroom, even in private. Why? For a little bird might deliver your message and tell them what you said. Who would have thought that Solomon would have written these words well before Twitter? Well before Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and WhatsApp and Snapchat and all these other things that we have. But our culture could stand to learn from Solomon's words. Because our culture is full of venomous words. Toxic and poisonous. Prevalent all over the place. Our culture is quick to speak, slow to listen. Quick to anger and hatred, spewing words out of mouths. Whatever thought pops into their minds and hearts, they speak quickly with no remorse, no thought, no regret. They don't stop and ponder before speaking. And listen, that is expected from the world. But what James is saying is that kind of behavior, what is coming, that kind of speech should not characterize the church. So you need to know that what you say in the dark will get told in the light. Once you say something, it's out there. So as the Proverbs say, so watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. And also, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Or as James would say, it can burn a forest down. Once it's out there, once you send it, once you post it, there's no taking it back. So make sure your words match the words of Jesus because you belong to him. 
So speak like it. Because it matters what you say. It matters how you say it. It matters when you say it. And listen, James gives one final image of a spring producing fresh water versus producing dirty water. What he's trying to reveal here is the same thing that he's trying to reveal early on in chapter 2 with our actions. This is a heart issue. It's a faith issue. True authentic faith, living faith, is a faith that one can see. True authentic faith, living faith, is also a faith that one can hear. And James's last image comes not from himself, it comes from Jesus. Just listen to this. In Matthew 12, this is Jesus speaking. The tree is known by its fruit. He says, you brood of snakes or vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good words. The evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil words. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. By your words, you'll be condemned. So James here in James 2 and now in James 3 is saying, listen, what you do and what you say matters and it's a reflection of your heart. True authentic faith, living faith is a faith that one can see. True authentic faith, living faith is also a faith that one can hear. So the question is, is what do your words spoken in public and in private, what do they reveal about your heart? I'll close with these words. It's James and James chapter 1. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Look at our culture. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, we've read that before. We've heard that. But remember, he started off this context with being quick to listen, slow to speak. And then he concludes this little passage with this. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. Their religion is worthless. What does your tongue reveal about your heart? Because James is arguing what Jesus revealed. True, authentic, living faith is one that 
a faith that one can see, but it's also a faith that one can hear. So what do your words, spoken in public and private, reveal about your heart? The tongue is a fire. What will we do with that fire? Bring warmth and joy to a home and a controlled situation? Or will we destroy a home and a village with that fire? You and I have a choice to let our words be peppered with love and grace and truth or with hatred and slander and deceit. To use our words to build up the church and our fellow brothers and sisters or to destroy the church and tear down our brothers and sisters. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to invite the team forward for a time of invitation. And for some of us, we have some thoughts and some words we need to repent of. As John would say, man, confess your sins, knowing that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Repentance of what we thought, of what we've said. And here in a moment, even as I pray, these steps are going to be open. If you want to pray down here at these steps, you can do that. If you have a decision to make, maybe it's salvation, maybe it's baptism, maybe it's church membership, I'll be down here as well. But whatever the Lord is leading you to do, even as I pray, be obedient in that calling on your heart. Father, we thank you. We love you. in our actions, and in our words. Help us to be like Jesus, to act like Jesus, to speak like Jesus, in public and in private. And may we recognize that our works and our words expose, reveal the true disposition of our hearts whether or not we have true living faith. We may claim to have religion. Uh, we, we do this, we do that. But our religion is worthless if we have no control of the tongue. Help us to be like Jesus. And what we say, how we say it, and when we say it, that you would get glory and honor in everything, and that your church would be built up. In Christ's name I pray. I'm going to ask that you stand with us. You come, whatever you need to do, or sing with us this song.